Support for the MPT Clinical Files comes from the PT Hustle. The PT Hustle's one-on-one -on -one coaching takes out the guesswork of MPT preparation, allowing the unlicensed physical therapist to get a tailored direction and structure that they need in order to pass the MPTE. So forget about the constant frustration of not knowing how to get your score above a 600. Sign up for an in-depth NPTE preparation evaluation today. And that is to get a tailored plan for how to reach NPTE success. Sign up at theptehustle.com forward slash services. Again, that is theptehustle.com forward slash services. The NPTE clinical files is intended to be used as a learning resource for unlicensed physical therapists preparing for the National Physical Therapy Examination. The NPTE clinical files is intended literally for entertainment and educational purposes only. No clinical decision making should be based on only one source. Therefore, this podcast should not be used as the sole source of personal, clinical, legal, or medical advice. While care has been taken to ensure the accuracy of all answers and rationales, on a rare occasion, mistakes and factual errors can be present, as we are only human. From the creator of the PT Hustle, this is NPTE Clinical Files, one mock NPTE-based question told and solved week by week. Thank you for tuning in to the NPTE Clinical Files. This is Kyle Rice, the NPTE Prep Coach, the founder of the PT Hustle and the creator of the NPTE Prep Success Course 2.0. And if you haven't already gotten to the free Facebook group called Smart NPTE Prep, you need to do so today. Reason why is we go through strategies, tips and tricks in order to dramatically improve your score, as well as improve your overall NPTE preparation. So go ahead to Facebook right now, join Smart MPTE Prep, and I'll get you in today. All right, so we're going to go through our next MPTE clinical file. Our patient's name is Mary, and she is a 32-year-old female who presents to outpatient physical therapy two weeks postpartum. She has a referral to evaluate and treat her 2.25-centimeter diastasis recti, which of the following interventions would be the most appropriate to treat this condition? All right, we have A, which is hook-lying abdominal crunches, B, hook-lying head lift with hands crossed across midline, C, hook-lying diagonal trunk curls, and D, supine pelvic floor repeated contractions. All right, so when we look at this question, um, we see that, you know, Mary, 32-year-old, okay, she had a, a baby two weeks ago, and now she's presenting with this diastasis recti. First of all, we need to understand diastasis recti and what it really is. Um, in this specific condition, very common in the third trimester, and especially with women who give birth and are uh, postpartum, you know, diastasis recti, very common. And, and what it really is, is it's a separation of the midline at the linea alba. And this typically occurs because of the increased hormonal uh, release during pregnancy, which causes ligamentous laxity. We're very familiar with that. And we're familiar with the effects that it can have on the SIJ and the pelvic floor and so forth. But it can also cause this condition called diastasis recti. All right. And so it's really important for you know, us to understand why this happens, right? It's also important for us to understand, 
you know, what are the muscles that can create an increased separation, right? Um, and then the other piece, as a physical therapist, we need to understand, well, what does this number mean, this 2.25 centimeters? You know, is, it, is that bad? Is that not so bad? Like, what do I do as a physical therapist? Now, a 2.25 centimeters, it's, that's significant because it's greater than two centimeters uh, separation. And what that means for you as a physical therapist as, is, you know, any separation that's greater than two centimeters, we are not, as physical therapists, we are not to uh, perform inter any interventions or have the patient perform interventions that are going to be advanced. Any advanced abdominal uh, exercises, um, crunches and uh, any type of resisted trunk curls, anything like that that is going to increase activity of the internal and external obliques, we don't want to do those activities. What it's going to do is it's going to increase the separation. So again, that's greater than two centimeters separation. Mary here has a 2.25. So we automatically know that any exercises that are considered advanced abdominal exercise would be contraindicated. You know, the last sentence or the question stem here says, which of the following interventions would be the most appropriate to treat this condition? All right, and then we have our answer choices. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go ahead and knock down these answer choices one by one. A says hook line abdominal crunches. Well, we just had that conversation about how we do not want to perform advanced, you know, abdominal exercises. Hook line abdominal crunches is advanced. All right. Um, and, and why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because you're overactivating the rectus abdominis. You're overactivating um, your, your additional abdominal muscles as well, internal and external obliques, not as much, but they are being activated and there that can cause an increased separation at the linea alba. It's going to make this worse. All right, hook lying abdominal crunches is an exercise that we would do if we were less than two centimeters, diastasis recti. Um, so A is really contraindicated at this point. We're going to take A out. A is not the answer. B is hook lying head lift with hands crossed over midline. Now, this is a little different. We're only doing a head lift. Yes, that activates rectus abdominis, right? right. But we're utilizing our hands across midline in order to approximate the linea alba. Mary, in this, in this uh, particular circumstance, what she's gonna do is she's gonna cross her hands over her body, grab each side of her abdomen, and really approximate it as she's lifting her head, you know, off of a pillow or whatever she's laying on, all right? So this head lift, yes, it activates the rectus abdominis, but it's really low level activation in comparison to, you know, abdominal crunches or any other significantly resisted abdominal exercise. It's relatively um, light. And then she's using a protective technique of hands crossed over midline guess what? This is a really good exercise. I like this as an initial exercise, but let's go ahead and look at C and D. We have hook lying diagonal trunk curls. All right. So hook lying diagonal trunk curls, 
you know, when you really think about that, we go back to our previous conversation that we had towards the beginning of this episode. We talked about increasing activity of the internal and external obliques will cause a greater separation at the linea alba. It will make the diastasis recti worse. All right, diagonal trunk curls increases that activity. Therefore, C, hook line diagonal trunk curls is not a good answer. It's not something that we would initially start with this patient population. And we definitely wouldn't be doing this with someone who has greater than a 2.25 centimeter diastasis recti. This answer is out. Okay, and lastly, we have D, which is supine pelvic floor repeated contractions. Now, if you were thinking about this question and you got down to B and D, that's exactly what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to get down to these final two answers. And a lot of students um, that have already seen this question, they uh, were stuck between B and D, and a lot of them chose D, supine pelvic floor repeated contractions. But here's the issue. Nowhere in this question did I state that Mary had uh, incontinence, um, some type of pelvic floor dysfunction, or anything along those lines. I, I never stated that. Okay, we can assume that a woman postpartum is going to require some type of pelvic floor training, yes. But the question asks, which of the following interventions would be the most appropriate to treat this condition? This condition, referring to diastasis recti. Supine pelvic floor repeated contractions is really not doing that, especially as an initial exercise. All right, and so although D is a, a good answer, it is not the best answer here. The best answer is going to be B, which is hook line head lift with hands crossed over midline. All right, so if you got this question correct, congratulations. I applaud you on that. This is not an easy one, especially if you don't have a good understanding of diastasis recti. But what I want you to do is I want you to take your, your, your thought process. I want to take you take your challenge to the next level by asking yourself, okay, so what if she did have a two centimeter diastasis recti or 1.75? What exercises would be most appropriate for this patient? What would I do next? What would come next? Right? Figure that out. Also think about, okay, well, if she did have, you know, some pelvic floor uh, concerns as well, postpartum, you know, what are different exercises that I would use for um, incontinence? And what's the progression of exercises that I would use to address that? Start to take your thought processes to the next level. Question yourself. Question yourself to a level that is going to cause you to have to understand these topics a bit better. All right. I cannot wait until next week, until we straight dominate the next MPTE clinical file. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to the MPTE Clinical Files. Support for MPTE Clinical Files comes from the PT Hustle. The PT Hustle's one-on-one -on -one coaching takes out the guesswork of MPTE preparation, allowing unlicensed PTs to get the tailored direction and structure that they need in order to pass the MPTE. Do you need one-on-one -on -one coaching? Do you need that additional structure and direction in your life? Well, you need to sign up for an in-depth MPTE preparation evaluation today. Sign up at theptihustle.com forward slash services. Again, that is theptihustle.com forward slash services.